the home is under attack, in particular the Christian home. And it's, it's not an overt physical attack where we would know that it's coming and we could, we could kind of bow up to it, but it's a subtle attack that we are under attack and it's what I would say through streaming. It's subtly kind of a right flank. It's coming and it's happening. And many times we don't even recognize that we're under attack. But Christian homes in particular are under attack and our kids are hearing and seeing things. Our students are hearing and seeing things and it's coming in. And whenever it comes into your brain, your brain does this magical thing. It takes snapshots of it and remembers it. So the things that are coming into our brains are snapshotting in there and we're having it. So it's in the brains forever. And our enemy, his strategy is to destroy the home, and particularly the Christian home. He wants to destroy it. Then that's his strategy because he knows that that's the foundation of our culture. That's the foundation of life. And he knows that if he tears apart, in particular, Christian homes, then he's going to be successful. Because in that moment when life storms happen and Christian homes begin to dissipate and he wins because we struggle with coming and being a part of the very thing that we should be a part of whenever life storms hit. And that is for us as followers of Jesus, we should lean into our relationship with Jesus. We should lean into our friends that are also authentic followers of Jesus because life storms are going to come. But when Satan attacks and he begins to destroy us, our natural thing is we begin to feel unworthy. We begin to listen to lies that we are not worthy, that there's something wrong with us or something that no one else's home life is messed up like our home life is or whatever that is that we begin to believe that are the lies. And so we run away from the very place that we should be, which is church and with our friends that are authentically trying to live out their faith and lean into them and to realize, listen, we're all messy. None of us are perfect, and when we begin to lean into one another in those storms of life, we can encourage each other and give each other encouragement because there's in those moments where we're, life is messy, we struggle with shame, we struggle with pain, we struggle with embarrassment, and so we run away from the very things that we should be leaning into. This morning, I want us to grasp this idea of that the home is the primary schoolhouse for faith. The home is the primary schoolhouse for faith. So that is the reason that the home is under attack. That our enemy knows that if he can get into the schoolhouse and begin to disrupt it, and the lessons that are being learned are not the lessons that God would want us to learn, then he is winning. As a matter of fact, even with the most current stats and research and polls and all the different stuff that they do, the number one influencer in the home for our kids and for our students still, maybe even just barely slightly, is still parents. Parents are still the number one influencer over kids. Here's the thing. Faith is taught in the home, but even maybe more importantly for us to understand is faith is caught. Home is the primary place where faith is not only taught, but it's caught. So that means your kids are watching when you're driving. Your kids are watching whenever you have an opportunity to tell the truth that may hurt you, but you still, instead of, instead of telling the truth, you kind of do a white lie so you don't look as bad. All the different things that we do as parents and as adults, our kids are watching and they're catching what we truly believe about God's Word. Faith is not only taught, but it's caught. But since the home is the primary place of, the primary schoolhouse of faith, here I want you to grasp this is that Crosspoint is here for you, okay? So Crosspoint is here to encourage you as parents. We're not here to replace you. Crosspoint is here to equip you as parents, not to remove you. Crosspoint is here to support you as parents, 
but not to relegate you to a secondary source. You are the primary schoolhouse of faith. The very things that you're learning about here, maybe you're talking about, then you got to go live it out. And that's the hard part. The hard part's not taking it in, it's applying it and living it out. And let's be honest, all of us have had moments where we have done and said and acted like we were not followers of Jesus and our kids are watching. And they've taken that lesson to heart. And so for us, it's constantly trying to say, to tell our kids, hey, look, one, I'm human, and I'm working this out just as you are, and I am trying to live this out and to be a greenhouse for faith in your home that's an authentic place, being able to say, none of us have arrived, we're working together, we're pursuing Jesus together, and I'm going to have moments where I'm going to look and act and think completely opposite of what Jesus would want. That's those moments that you hope for grace that your kids forget those moments. So the question then is how then do we as followers of Jesus, how then do we create a home that our faith and our family can thrive? In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses tells us how we can do that. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, he explains and kind of lays out how we can grow and thrive as a family, especially a family of faith. And he's talking about what had happened just in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, he gave us the ten words. Some of you know them as the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue. These words that he shared that came from God explicitly for us. And sometimes we think of these commands as these laws as what they are, but we think of them as checklists. When in reality, they're not a checklist, but they are guardrails and guidelines to push us and move us toward understanding that we need Jesus. That they guide us to having a relationship with Jesus. And Paul even tells us in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, that these things move us toward that everyone, every time that we mess up, that we do not obey the law, we recognize our need for a Savior. So all the law is is guiding us in this way. And so here Moses, in chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, says, hey, you've got these ten laws, you've got these ten rules, and then there's 600 additional ones that they're trying to use to apply the ten laws. He says, these ten things, I want you to do the first thing is this, in your home, is pay attention and obey. Parents, how many times have you ever said to your kids, pay attention? And whenever you say pay attention, is it a suggestion or is it a command? You want it to be a command. Sometimes they treat it as a suggestion. And so here Moses is saying the same thing. We have entered into, as followers of Jesus, we've entered into a covenant with Yahweh. And then that entering into a covenant with Yahweh through saying yes with him, now we're his children. And so there are going to be moments where he's going to say, pay attention. And he means it, and he wants us to obey, but sometimes we're half-hearted about it. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, the first thing that, that Moses tells us is pay attention to the ten words and obey them. These are the commands, the decrees and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them. They're an imperative. They are a command. You must obey them in the land that you're about to enter and to occupy. One of the main reasons was because as we live out our lives as followers of Jesus and following these ten commands, they make us distinctive. So here, Moses is telling the people of God, the Hebrews, you've come out of Egypt in slavery and bondage. You've wandered in the wilderness. Now you're entering into the land of milk and honey. And I want people to know that you and I have a covenant together. And one of the main ways that they know that you're my covenant people is that you are distinctive. 
that you live and act and love and do life differently than everyone else. This is why it's my command. It's imperative for you to go into that land and live differently. You and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord, have a reverence for the Lord your God for as long as you live. If you obey all of his, so this is conditional, right? So if you obey all of his decrees and commandments, then you will enjoy a long life. In other words, you won't have pain, you won't have shame, you won't have regret, you won't have stuff that weighs you down, you won't have things that you're in your closet that you're trying to hide away that you don't want anybody to know. All of those different things come from what? Those moments that we chose to do it our own way and not obey. The ten rules for life that God has given us. It's a covenant for us. There's no half obedience when it comes to our relationship with God. As parents, when you ask your kids to do something, do you want them to halfway do it or to fully do it? You want them to do it. You want them to move. You want them to hear you and to respond. If you do this, then, okay, so here are the ten things, right? There's only one God. There's no other gods. There's just one God. There's no idols. There's no misuse of my name. There's no, there's this day that we have that we call the Sabbath. You need to be resting. All these different things are for your life, that you can live to a full life. Verse 3, and you and your grandchildren must fear the Lord. Oh, sorry. Listen closely, O Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. He's reminding them of the fact that, hey, I established a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, And I have fulfilled my promise. I've brought you out of Egypt. I've brought you out of place of slavery and bondage. And now you're about to enter into the promised land. He's reminding them of the covenant. Reminding them that, hey, because of this covenant, because of the relationship that we have, because of what I've done for you, because of who I am, I want you to pay attention when I say something and obey. It's very parental language, the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy chapter 6, of us as parents Wrapping our arms around our children. Maybe you've had those moments where your kids were young and maybe they were distracted and you kind of got them by the face and kind of covered, put the little blinders on them and said, listen, pay attention to me right here, right now. And they look, you're like, no, there's no squirrels right now. It's just us. Okay. And this is what God does with us. He's like, he's putting his blinders on us. He says, pay attention to me and listen. There are going to be plenty of things that are going to distract you from over here. There's going to be idols. There's going to be moments where you think you got more work and you don't need to rest. There's going to be moments where you're going to want to lie. There's going to be moments where it's easier to cheat. There's going to be, but keep these blinders on and know that these blinders are on you so that I can guide you to the place where you need to understand that you need Jesus. And that the very purpose of the law is in those moments where we think we got in our own power and our own strength and our own wisdom, we can do it. And we try something to do it and it doesn't work out. He's like, the word's like, yep, I'm reminding you. I'm reminding you, be patient, pay attention, and obey. The second thing that he wants us to do in verse 4 is the reason that we need to pay attention and obey. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. So, Listen, at our house, we have this thing where we say, hey, listen, pay attention. I want you to hear me. And the reason that that happens is because there's been moments in my life where I've said that I've listened, but there has been no action. So you hear things, but there's no action. So we hear things, and if there's not action, here, here Moses is saying, listen. And the way that we know that listen, this is a, uh, the word is Shema, 
Okay, and that means to listen, but to hear and to obey. There's an imperative that happens here that you hear God and that when you hear him, there's an effect and that effect is obedience. So in your house, parents, when you say, listen, take the trash out on Tuesdays, what do you expect happens? The truth, the trash goes out on Tuesdays. If it doesn't happen, what happens the next week? Listen, take the trash out on Tuesdays. If it doesn't happen, what do you do? Listen, take the trash out on Tuesdays. You're constantly doing this, right? Because there's, it's important for our kids to understand and to know. It's important for us to know because at some point you want your kids to launch. You want them to have a job. And you think, like, sometimes they think, oh, it's just trash. And you're like, no, I want you to have a job. And your other boss is going to say, take the trash out on Tuesdays. And if they don't, what happens? They don't have a job, and then they come back to your house. You've got a long-term plan, and they don't understand that it has to do with trash on Tuesdays. Now, hopefully, Becky will take the trash out on Tuesdays. I don't know. But listen and obey. But also this, this word, Lord, is Yahweh, a personal God, that God has a relationship with us. Listen, O Israel, I, the Lord, is your God. It's a personal relationship. I, the Lord, am a one. Again, he's taking it back to that covenant of Abraham and Isaac. The next thing he tells us is to love the Lord your God with all you've got. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your strength, with all of your soul. And again, it's this love of Yahweh, a personal covenant relationship. Now here, I'm going to give you all something new. Love is not an emotion. We hear all the time, you fall in and out of love, you don't fall in and out of love. You fall in and out of Harry and Henrietta, the hormone. Okay? There's attraction, there's chemistry, but that is not love. Love is always and forever be a choice. We choose to love. If you've been in a relationship for any length of time, there have been moments where you've looked at that person, where you're in a relationship with them, and you're like, I do not like you right now. You're stinky, you're smelly, you're not obeying, whatever it may be. But I choose to still love you. The same is true with us. Is that God has entered into a covenant relationship with us. And there are moments where he's like, I do not like you right now. You guys have made a foolish decision. But because of our covenant relationship, I choose to continue to love you. And my love for you as far as the east is from the west, it cannot be broken. That is what a covenant relationship looks like with God. And so that is what he's saying to us is you must love the Lord your God with everything you've got. He's giving it to us. And so he wants us to respond to that. That if you have been loved in that way, your natural response is to want to love in that way. And he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Now, your heart is in their definition in the Hebrew, okay, is literally their mind. You love it with your mind, your intellect, your rational thinking, and it moves you. Again, you've heard something, it's made sense in your mind, and so you obey it and you move for it. It's the seat of your intellect. It motivates you. It's your will. The reason that you do certain things is because in your mind it makes sense, and therefore you respond. As a matter of fact, in Jeremiah 17, 9, it tells us, don't listen to the heart because the heart is deceptive. But the mind can be moved. And so here... Moses is telling us, love the Lord your God with all of your mind. In other words, there isn't an absence of intellect and faith. There are some things that we don't understand. God is God and we're not, so we can't comprehend all these things. We're finite. But 
in our rational thinking, there are parts of faith that do make sense. A plus B can't equal C. There's enough archaeological evidence. There is stuff about Jesus. There's a lot of things that point us to a concrete faith in Jesus Christ that's rational. So with all of your mind, love him. The next thing that he says is with all of your soul. Now, when we think of soul, we sometimes think of this like container that there's this little soul and it holds. And so that when we die, the physical body's gone, but the soul remains. And yes, no, maybe so. But in Hebrew thinking, it's the word nefesh and it's the entire inner being that cannot be seen. It's the charisma. It's what makes you up. And so in that moment, whenever God breathed his breath into Adam, the walk, it gave charisma, it gave life to you. That's the soul. So what separates us from the rest of the animal kingdom is the fact that God breathed his breath into man, and therefore we have a soul, which gives us the ability to have a relationship with God, the covenant God, so we can talk with him and relate with him unlike the rest of the animal kingdom. So whenever God says, love your, with all of your heart, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your inner being, all this stuff that makes you up and gives you life, the invisible part of you, okay, is what he's saying. That way, not a container, but all of you. And the next thing he says is, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and then with all of your strength. Now, we understand, hey, we go to the gym, we, are, we do these things to get our physical strength up, right? We want to get stronger. However, the interesting thing is, there's a point where in life we're going to come up against some storms. We're going to come up against some things where physical strength comes to our end. And actually, this is the beautiful thing is God wants us to get to the end of ourselves so that he can step in and be God. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. And to that point, and then at the end of that, you think, hey, there's nothing more I can give. And God's like, awesome, now I can be who I need to be. And so some of the storms in our life, the very reason that they're a part of our life is so that we can get to the end of ourselves and he can be who he needs to be in our life. So that we can understand that there is so much more to who God is than what we can fully even do on our own. Because we think that we're the one that control the relationship. And God's like, listen, I have a covenant relationship with you and my love for you is as far from the east as from the west. And you've done a lot of foolish things that have maybe many others gods would have turned and walked away from you. But I continue to stay with you because I've made a covenantal love with you and I choose to love you. As a matter of fact, I even knew before you chose me that you were going to do some of those stupid things. And I still chose to enter into a covenant relationship with you. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your strength, with all that you've got. Relationship with God is not half obedience. It's full obedience. As parents, this makes sense to us. As grandparents, this makes sense to us. This is parental talk. That we want our children to obey us. Not because we want them to just be good little kids that sit still. But because we know what's out there that can harm them. We know what's out there that can bring them shame. We know what's out there that can bring them pain. We know what can bring them embarrassment. We know what can be. We have swept enough stuff under our own closets that we're hiding from other people that we can speak from experience and say, listen, you don't want the stuff that I've got. You don't want to have to deal with the things that I have to deal with. You don't want to, the things that rattle around in my brain that have been taken pictures of that still show up at the oddest times and all those different things. You do not want that. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. Everything that you've got, fully obey so that you will not be ready. You will not be attacked. Be defeated. Verse 5. 
This is the most important of all of the law. This is the most important thing of all the law, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, of your mind. This one command, okay, informs and guides our love for God in ways that please Him and take care of our neighbors. This is the heart of the law. It was designed, again, like I said earlier, it was designed to put us in charge, put us in a place to lead us to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. The next thing I want you to get from this passage is make these things your core values. You have core values. You have things of how you live life out, and you need to have these things. Verse 6 and 7 says, you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Not part of your heart, everything you've got. Meditate on wherever you go. Again, faith is more caught than taught. Make them your core values. Repeat them again and again to your children. Now, this word repeat, some of your passages, if you have different translations or whatever, it will say impress upon them, push them in. It literally means to carefully chisel away on the stone. Repeat them over and over and over again. Why? Again, we tell our children, hey, I need you to do this. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. And we're constantly repeating it. Even today, whenever they tell us, hey, whenever you're trying to cast vision for a business or for an organization, you continually say it over and over and over again. And the very moment that you think somebody's getting it, maybe one person is and you've got a thousand more to go, you say it over and over and over again. And that's what we're, as parents and as grandparents, continually having to say to our kids over and over and over again, I need you to do this. I need you to do this. Sometimes we're like, ah, why in the world? Maybe we need to tell them. Maybe it's because I don't want you to be in my house at 30. Okay, maybe you need to tell your kids that, but repeat it over and over. Carefully chisel it into stone and impress upon them everywhere you go. So in other words, in those moments where you've told white lies and your kids know the truth, you've impressed on them. The very things that you believe come out in the stress of life. Think of it this way. You're a sponge. And that when the more that you soak up God's word, the more you soak up the truth, the more that you meditate on God's word, his core values, and that becomes a part of you, whenever the stuff hits the fan, the more of him that's in you, it's going to press, something's going to come out. Something's going to come out. And so whenever you're pressed, what's going to come out? And guess what? Whenever it's pressed and it comes out, guess who gets it? Those closest to you. So in those moments when we kind of lose our cool, guess who gets it? Those close to you. In those moments when we lie, guess who gets it? Those other things that catch up to you in life, guess who gets it? Those that are closest to you and it's pressed out. It's like, it's like those ketchup packets that you've gotten squirted with. It happens and you're like, what in the world? And now what? Guess what? Now you're embarrassed because now it's everybody else's mess. Impress, impress, impress. Everywhere you go, faith is caught more than it's taught. Pay attention and obey. Love the Lord your God with all of you got full obedience. Make these law your core values. And then finally, the thing I want you to get is to tell your faith story often. Tell your faith story often. Deuteronomy 6, jump down to verse 20. In the future, your children will ask you, what is the meaning of these laws, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God has commanded us to obey? They don't ask it like that anymore. Here's what your children ask you. Why do I have to go to church? Why? Why do we have to go again? Why do we have to go to the 930 service? Can we go to the 12 o'clock where they have an enchilada buffet? I mean, and so they're constantly, why? 
And so for us, we have to continually tell our faith story. The reason that we go, the reason that we go to the church is this, that you must tell them when we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his strong hand. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was enslaved, but now I'm not. And that's our faith story. So for us as adults, we have to continually tell our faith story, continually, wherever we go, talk about opportunities where we were challenged in our faith and where God showed himself faithful, where we were once lost, but now we're found. Listen, we need the reminder. We forget how God is faithful to us time and time again, the promises that he's fulfilled for us time and time again. And so here Moses is saying, listen, there's going to come a day where you're going to wake up on a Sunday morning and children are just going to go, why are we doing this? And we're saying because God brought us out of Egypt. You don't know what I came from. You don't know the crap that I've had to deal with. You don't know the such and such that I've had to deal with. And I was once lost, but now that I'm found. The reason that our house is the house that we have is because I came out of Egypt, of slavery and bondage and the heaviness of building pyramids. Yeah, they look cool, but it was heavy on my back. And now here I am in freedom and you have freedom. And that you live in the household that you live in. Your normal is not the normal that I grew up in. And the reason that my normal is different from that normal is because I was once lost and now I'm found. Because I have Jesus and I'm free. And to continually remind your children time after time after time. Listen, why do we give a little extra money to the church? Because God says to. And here's what I understand of that. Listen, two plus two in God's math does not equal four. It equals 400. It equals 4,000. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Every accountant will tell you it doesn't make sense. But how does it happen? Because God is faithful to his children. And to continually tell the stories. Of what God has done in your life. Tell it all of the time. He brought us out of Egypt so he could bring this land sworn to our, our ancestors. Rejoice in those promises that are fulfilled in your life. And the Lord our God commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear him. To have reverence for him. So he can continue to bless us and preserve our lives. As he has done to this day. Listen. Our homes are under attack. You're in a home that's trying to pursue Jesus. Every little thing along the way, it's going to be they're pushing and trying to divide everything. And for us, those moments whenever stuff hits the fan, because we're not perfect. We're just in pursuit of Jesus. Whenever that stuff hits the fan, lean into your church family. Lean into those that know you and love you and can walk with you through it and maybe have been through the same stuff or something similar and walk with you together. Because our purpose is to love Jesus with everything that we've got and to pass on our faith and to let our kids and grandkids know, listen, even the mess that we're in now is nothing compared to Egypt. It's nothing compared to being blind and being lost. At least here, we know that our house is built on solid rock of Jesus and that the storms of life are going to come and the house may shake, but our house will not crumble because we know that our friends are going to run, are going to walk with us in the midst of this. Let's pray together. Dearly Father, Thank you for your ten words that you gave to Moses. Father, the guardrails and and just path of life that you've given us to to move and to follow that point us to Jesus. Father, it's impossible for us 
to fulfill all those things because we're not perfect. And so each time that we fall short of your perfection, it reminds us of the fact that you've offered Jesus as a way out. If you've offered Jesus as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. So, Father, I pray that we would tell that story often. That we were once lost and now we're found. We were blind and now we see that we were enslaved, but now we are free. Father, may we be reminded of your fulfilled promises. And of the fact that there have been moments where we have run from you as far as east from the west. But your hand has held the covenant with us. Because we're your children. That you love us and you care for us and you always desire to bring us home. Father, we pray for homes here. Whatever that home looks like. Father, in pursuit of Jesus. Lord, that's our desire. May we encourage, may we lift up, may we support families in pursuit as we pursue Jesus so that we can love you well and to share that love with our neighbors. So that our legacy would be one. Not perfection, but a pursuit of Jesus. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.